Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt Where podcast. To hunt podcast. It's, it's, okay. It's, okay. It's, okay. it's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bowhunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. Uh, it's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher. Bow Hunter. I love Where to Hunt podcast. Is all right. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is hmm. <laughs> well, it's April twentieth, which is awkward. <laughs> Uh, this is episode one seventy nine. Were you four twenty in it in here before I got here? <laughs> I or wasn't. What? I wasn't. Oh man! But I was like, wait a second, it's four twenty. Happy four twenty for those of the folks that listen that you know make that a holiday in their life. I know we got listeners of all types and kinds all over the country. So to each his own. Hey, everybody's got to march to the beat of their own drum. That's right, or you know, puff their own magic dragon, whatever That's it right. is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, we're happy to be here today, and. Uh, Let's see. We got some ads. We'll roll real quick before we get into the meat of what we're t- talking about today. So let's run. Uh, which one we got? This one. Whether you're at work, in a tree stand, or simply waking up, it's important to be alert. And there's no better way to get there than with Backwoods Grind Coffee. Ground fresh for every order, delivered straight to your door. Backwoods Grind Coffee. All right. So, uh, shout out to Drop Time Spirits. Cheers to that. You got a beer. I got some spirits. You got a drink after a cheers, Greg. That's the that's how it works. Or what's the some people say prost? Is that a thing? If you're German, yeah. Prost with a peanut. Prost. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What's that one German song? Fly, fly, fly. Do 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 do. You know that one? My daughter loves that one. Okay. It's like a really weird German song. It's anyone that's heard that one, maybe they'll message in or tell me what the hell it's called um and uh by the way we're coming at you from the okay it's hunter podcast studio as you can tell we don't know what the hell we're talking about today so you know we're okay we set the bar low so we can under deliver under promise and under deliver. there's no over delivering here that's not like a thing that we do uh <laughs> but if you want to save some money on some okay it's hunter swag they have new shirts and stickers and all sorts of stuff that comes out periodically. They have a decent blog, all that good stuff. But you can enter in code W2H Podcast for 10% off. Uh, we see that getting redeemed every now and again. So that's good to know that you guys are using it. But if you want to save some real money on uh, a product, you would want to use the code W2H for Spartan Forge. Head over to SpartanForge.ai. Check out what they have going on. Massive updates coming down the pike. Uh, incredible product. Tons of development going into it each and every week and every single day. Uh, it's a deer movement predictability application that's uniquely one of a kind. 
So if you haven't heard about it yet, you're living under a rock. A lot it'll, of the- it'll be nice to be able to ditch the Weather Underground app and maybe a few other things. Windy can go away for yep. me. Like- Windy Tide can go away. Um, all that stuff can go away. You can bring it into one app. And I think there's going to be some other really cool features with that app to possibly get rid of some other things, which is really hey, nice. It's going to be pretty flipping awesome. Nothing like simplifying life a little bit. That's right. Keep it simple, stupid. How you doing, Colin? Hey, good, Eric. How are you? Good. Sorry for the mix-up. I don't know. No, yeah, I don't know what the what the deal was. That invite said seven fifty eight. I thought, you know, I didn't know. Maybe it was my mistake. Hey, you're the guest, and you are right. And I totally probably effed up on that. I'm never right. But no, the guest is always right. <laughs> I think Google didn't translate doing? it or good. something. I don't know. Often Greg was just saying you need to put CST on every one of those invites. So I'm like, yeah, I think you're right because I don't think this is the first time that's happened. But um, sorry to put you in a panic on your end. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, man. Not at all. I've been running a little mini excavator. Cool. Oh, really? Sounds like fun. Trying to grade my yard with the uh, pool guy's equipment that he left here. That's kind of fun. I feel Yeah, like- well, I love talking deer, man. I'm excited. Yeah, we'll we'll ju- so we're already recording. We're we're already live. We're broadcasting. Cool. So you missed all our stupid intro stuff that we do. So you you lucked out there. Um, just so you know, we call this the OKS podcast. In the Midwest, uh, we're in the OKS Hunter podcast studio, so we set the bar low. As you can tell, we're off to a great start. Um, well, that's why you brought me on. Even lower. <laughs> no, you're the pro. We're we're amateur hour over here. <laughs> yeah, but no, I. So obviously, um, you know, David with uh, Drop Time introduced us, and he said you're a mammoth of a man that you you were an NFL player for the Niners and then the. The Panthers, and most importantly, you're a whitetail addict, and it sounds like you have some property in Illinois, and you're in South Carolina, and from Texas. So, like, I'm just doing that to give the audience uh, a baseline of who you are. If you want to kind of introduce yourself, that would be fantastic. Yeah, um, I grew up in a uh, a small town about an hour uh, northwest of the Dallas Fort Worth area in Texas. Um, grew up out in the middle of nowhere, so I've been hunting whatever I could find since I was little, and. Uh, I'm trying to raise my kids the same way. We live in Charlotte, but um, actually just got back from our place in Illinois, uh, spent the weekend there. Um, I love the uh, development and redevelopment side of uh, Whitetail Habitat. And so I was actually, I'm putting in a pretty extensive management plan up there on my property. And I went up there and burned some some brush this past weekend. And uh, and uh, I didn't even make it out to turkey hunt, but... Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I played uh, college football at TCU, um, honestly, stopped, so I could stay close to close enough to my parents to hunt on the off days. And uh, from there, I uh, got drafted by the Niners, spent a year out there, and then um, I was with the Panthers for eight. And this last year was my last uh, or my first season that I didn't play ball, and I was actually on an elk hunt in New Mexico when uh, Tampa called me. And so I had to make a choice then that I want to go and, and try to make it one more year or not. And I decided to not. And then when, um, when the, uh, when they made it to the NFC championship game, I texted my agent and told them to rethink that. And were they still looking? <laughs> not really. <laughs> David told me to give you <laughs> shit for that. Me fast after <laughs> that. But, uh, no, it was a, uh, it was a fun journey in the NFL. Um, I have a very great wife who always let me go, different places on our bye week to hunt deer that's the downside with football because deer season coincide with with uh 
with uh, football season, and we just have a very limited schedule. But, um, yeah, hopped around Texas. Uh, they've got that late-season MLDP program. It's really hard to find some free-range stuff, but I've found found a couple of guys down in South Texas where you can hunt into, into February. Um, mm-hmm. And then hopped around to Kansas, Illinois. Um, I've been applying to Iowa. This will be – I'll have four uh, preference points after this year. But, um, yeah, I just – I love to deer hunt, and uh, it's a big passion of mine. I love everything about it. Big bow hunter, um, but I love to uh, pick up the cheater pipe every once in a while as well. Cheater pipe, nice. <laughs> what do you shoot for a bow? Um, I've got a, a Matthews uh, VXR right now. Cool. And um, yeah, it's it's it had a good season last year. I love that bow. I'm uh, very forgiving, and um, I spent a lot of time shooting. I really enjoy it. I'm in the middle uh, of changing releases right now. Um, are you going to one of those some releases, or what do you? No, I've always gone the index release, and I've I have shot a B three uh, King last year, but I I shot it so much that it almost started seizing up on me, and uh, I ended up getting another one, and I'm just real particular about it, and uh, I finally got it broken in a little bit, and it lasted for, through the season, but then I've shot a a, a Carter like Mike um, a little bit. Um, this off season messing around and then, um, uh, what's another one I shot? Um, true fire, uh, one of the true fires, um, just messing around until I find something that works perfect for me. But, um, there's so many good products out there. It's hard to go wrong. Honestly, comfort's a big deal for me. If I'm not comfortable, then I'm not confident. That's, that's how I am. Carter makes a good release. Yeah, it's it's uh, the trigger. I mean, it feels great. It's a little heavier trigger than I'm used to, which I don't know that that's all bad. I think it's just getting used to it. Right. Um, but it really, I think, helps technique-wise to really, you know, instead of jerk, you know, just a, a gentle pull with the whole, um, with the whole elbow. But right. What about y'all, Eric? Greg, I, what a <laughs> what's your yeah, I'll tell you, Greg's trying to get me to get a new bow. Like, I don't know why he's so concerned about my bow. But I'm concerned about what could happen to you if you don't replace the bow or at least put new strings on that old thing. Yeah, but, I don't know. You know, if it's working for you, I'm not I'm not here to force you to do anything you don't want to do. It's so. comfortable. I don't want to change it. I like it. And, uh, you know, I killed my first bow buck this past season on public land. So I'm like, well, Nice. I'm the problem, not the bow. Like I got to get in front of more deer before I get a new bow. That's my thought. So I we took care of that. It, but <laughs> you had opportunities. So, all right. Yeah. yeah. I had a buddy that thought similarly, but then he shot the VXR, and actually he just bought the V3. Okay. But that V3 looks pretty badass. Well, I mean, there's so much the technology and and just the stability. And it really does make a lot of difference. It's kind of like a a mid handicapper in golf using like game improvement irons or using blades. I mean, it's just, if you can find something that kind of helps you helps maximize your ability, it really goes a long ways. And until you shoot something else, you don't really know what you're missing. Right. And that, that longer riser is really what helps that bow a ton. It feels more like a target mm-hmm. bow with that longer riser. And what, uh, what kind of draw length are y'all? I'm uh I'm a 29 inch draw length. I'm shooting uh, the grandfather to both of your bows, the Halon 32. So it's nice. a few generations. That's a good bow. It is a good bow. I, I yeah. don't have a reason to change it. I put a new string on it. 
I took two deer with it last year, and um, I don't know. It's been a good killing bow for me. I, I'm comfortable with it. It's heavy. You know, it's a little front heavy, top heavy. Right. But if I spend some money on some decent stabilizers, I could probably take care of that problem. But most of my shots, to be quite honest with you, are 25 yards and in. Right. Yeah, don't don't ask me any technical questions. I don't have the answers. I'm the well, worst. You're you're about the same draw length. Yeah. I am about 29 inches. So, and then yeah, and I'm shooting. So mine's a. It's an old bow. It seems old. It seems new because I came out of a really old bow. I used to shoot uh, what my dad handed down to me, which is a Dart and Viper, which is like their old dual cam, mm-hmm. uh, which he killed plenty of deer with. And so I got that thing, and I was like, oh, this thing's great. This is awesome. And then I shot uh, a Bear Empire that my buddy wanted to get off his hands, so I picked that up from him for cheap. Fully outfitted through uh, Matthew, or not a Matthew, through um, the HHA single pin site on there. And then we just upgraded mm-hmm. our single pin sites to the, the newer ones that they have. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like it quite a bit. It's really, I think it's a really quiet bow. And our friends over at Vector Custom Shop, they, they make um, like really, they make thick, thick walled micro diameter arrows. Yep. The, their whole thing when we had them on our show, they talked about you're never going to shoot faster than the speed of sound. So, like, having the fastest bow in the world, you can only do so much. So mine, I think, is quieter than most, if, if you ask me. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think too much speed. So last year, I was shooting – I've got a 29-and-a-half-inch draw, um, and I was shooting 77 pounds, and I was shooting a 525-grain arrow at about 280 feet per second. So killer kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that big reason was that elk hunt I went on. Uh, and – and it was a micro diameter uh, by Carbon Express, uh, really expensive arrow, but I, I loved it. Um, and then I went to a lighter um, uh, arrow this past spring, uh, fall or this past winter, and it's I'm shooting 435 uh, grains now, and it bumped me up to 318 feet per second. And honestly, it's kind of like a a major league closer throwing 90 95 plus. Any little error you have isn't—it's just you get so much movement on the arrow yep. if you're tech, it's just not technically sound. So I agree with you. Too much, there, you can have too much speed, for sure. Well, and two, when you lighten up the arrow, you lighten up the spine most of the time. And when you lighten mm-hmm. up the spine, it it flexes off that riser a lot different. Yeah. Than your heavier arrow, and I played around, and mine is more on the extreme side. I'm over 600 grains. Are you on a 300 spine arrow? Um, slow. Yeah. I, how fast it is. Don't know. Never, never ran it through a chronograph, but the deer I hit were pretty wicked pass throughs and I watched them die within sight. They, they went 40 yards at the very most and keeled over. They were done. So I also shoot a, a pretty sharp broadhead. I think that has a lot to do with it too. You know, and, and this is something that starts argument all over forums. Yeah, are we going down the broadhead? <laughs> no, we're not. Here. We're not doing it, man. Well, tell me we got to ten o'clock. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're we're gonna need till ten o'clock. We we've no. had the ranch ferry on a couple of times, and uh, Troy Fowler, and he he talks about a lot of what uh, Doctor Ashby talks about. And so, Greg, I think you, I just do whatever Greg does. No, he doesn't do what I do. There, he should try do what to. I, do. I try. <laughs> Don't to. do what I do. <laughs> I am like the actual case hunter. I make everything way more difficult than it needs to be. So if you ever want to know what not to do, just look at me, and then you know you can look at Greg, and he's probably a little more more correct on how he's doing things. But uh, Greg's a technical tinkerer. I, I shot a ton of, of I shot five different fixed broadheads getting ready for the elk hunt. Yeah, and um, 
because they told me they didn't want me using an expandable. Mm -hmm. And I typically hunt with a uh, Rage no collar. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of success with whitetails. And um, I got out there and they were saying, they told me you're okay to hunt with that. And so I never, I took it, sure. all those fixed and just, but I know that Muzzy Trocar flies extremely well at long range. Yep. Uh, that's a very reasonably priced broadhead. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got the hat so on. Options, it's just, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, was actually working with Faraday Outdoors last year. So I had a, uh, had a little a hookup there. So, it was a little easier for me to use Muzzy and Rage. Sure. Um, but. Now, Muzzies have been a proven head for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I've shot similar heads, never a Muzzy brand per se, but I've shot a couple of them that were very similar and had great success with them. Yeah, she, the one I killed this season, I used the, the QAD fixed uh, blade. I was going to get the Iron Will, and I just couldn't justify dropping the coin just yet on that. Um, so then I was going to go with the... The Magnum? Uh, Magnus. Magnus. Yeah, the Magnus. You couldn't even get Magnus. I couldn't find anywhere there because the ranchery talked about them. It put such a demand on their product. It's a mom-and-pop shop. So they couldn't really keep up with a lot of the demand. So it was like a big back order. I was like, well, I need these now. I need broadheads now. So I went to my local archery shop, and they're like, these are really good. You can use use these. Yep. And it killed a deer for me. It was sharp enough to do the job. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean. As far as the hunting side of things, what – what are y'all, what's your favorite style? And like we're, we're really public land you? guys. We, not because we're against private land. I just don't have any property to go hunt. So uh -huh. I, I grew up, my dad, um, you know, before public land hunting was ever like considered cool or the thing to do or whatever is going on with the movement now, which I think is great by the way. Um, we always just hunted wherever we could go. And at the time that was Northern Wisconsin, the Nicolay national forest. And then, uh, when I got a little bit older and he got me into bow hunting, I'm like, I'm not driving four or five hours up north. I want to go hunt like today after work if I can. Yeah. So um, this is before on X really kind of changed things. And so I created, right. uh, this is how Word Hunt got started. I created a forum to ask people like, hey, where can I go around here? So that's kind of my style is, is uh, you know, the ground and pound, hang and bang, whatever you want to call it, uh, but really mobile setup. And, and that's because we're on public land. So mm -hmm. no two hunts are really ever the same for that reason. Your spot isn't sacred. You don't have a spot. It's anybody's spot, you know, given the day you're showing up. So, yeah, I don't know. Greg's, I think you're pretty similar to me to some degree with. Yeah. I mean, I had, I'd done the lease game for a little while. And if you don't make it to your lease, somebody else makes it to your lease and decides it looks like a good place and nobody's hunting here. So I'm going to be here. So I quit doing that after several arguments with people trespassing and, uh, got kind of did more public land. I mean, I, I've done it here and there all my hunting life, you know, since a kid on. So we would go behind the house on the lease land on the farm and hunt, you know, as a kid. And then after we moved away from that spot or during gun season, we would go up by my uncle's place five hours north and hunt the north woods of Wisconsin with the timber wolves and the with the uh, black bears. So it was it was a lot of public land and private at the beginning, and now I don't have fundage to go and throw at a lease or you know the ability to go buy a big hunk of property without going into major debt. So I'm uh, I'm mostly mostly public and. I've, I have no problem finding deer to hunt. Yeah. 
both seasons probably one of my favorites for sure. Oh, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I won't turn down the, the opportunity to go pick up my rifle and go chase deer either. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And Kyle, how about you? So you, you're in the, you're, in, is it South Carolina? Is that where you're at? I'm at, well, I live in North Carolina, okay. but I, um, I have, I actually had a lease in South Carolina and then I actually just hunt my buddy's place down there. Perfect. And then, um, I hunt mainly in the Midwest and then I'll hunt in South Texas as well. Three completely different styles of hunting. I would say. And so, um, typically Kansas low, the Manhattan area in Kansas I hunt is low deer density and those are some long days you're not going to see much but when you do you're going to see some big deer and uh, i was lucky enough to get a pretty good deer out there this year and that was when i really saw what that that no collar could do with a heavy arrow because i shot real close shot about 20 yards but walking away and i stopped him and just put it off the hip and it literally ate the whole arrow and so that was pretty cool and then uh, most of my stuff is on my land in Illinois. I really enjoy the the whole um, ability to watch a deer, pass a deer, even lose a deer, and then come back in two years. Sheds, really follow and see what you can do um, if you get neighbors on the same page and really work it at getting uh, buck to doe ratio in check and really work on a food fr- food program. And the the difficulty of bow hunting in the Midwest is what I really enjoy too, because there's no baiting in Illinois, and it's really a challenge to get a, a Boone and Crockett deer in bow range. And I've had times my buddy that that um, pretty much taught me everything I know about it, Doug Benefield. He's got owns the Illinois connection, and they're uh, he had a phenomenal season last year. They killed a two thirty. Wow. Um, but he, he really taught me the patience and I mean, I sat with him in a redneck one night and we had three deer over 160 and one of them at 25 yards. And I just had to watch. And that was kind of like, whew. and at that point I'd never shot anything close to that size of deer. And, but the age structure, seeing those deer now, it's incredible what he's got. Um, I was able to take one of them this year and uh but it really i just really enjoy the challenge i think i it correlates with football and the process and and it really is a challenge of spending time shooting a lot in the yard and then taking that to the actual hunt and getting it done and it's just so rewarding and it's not really about just killing i do love that part of it uh but i really enjoy hunting and trying to outsmart the deer and and getting it done and those mature deer are smart um, this past year was the first time I was able to hunt on a normal season. Typically it's either one week during a bye week or late season. If we aren't deep in the playoffs in January in January in the Midwest is brutal as y'all know mm-hmm. uh, with your weather and then the pressure the deer have had and just the whole gamut. But this year I actually got to spend some time and dig in a little bit and be patient and have some different setups and, and, uh, hunt in October a little bit when they're still bachelored up and then come back later and right before Thanksgiving and just the whole rut experience was really fun. Um, but yeah, hands down, Texas is a, a unique experience as well too. There's a ton of different animals and all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's hot walking too. around totally the different. woods of South Texas. But, yeah. You um, get a lot of exotics that were transplanted there and now they're kind mm-hmm. of just roaming free. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, they brought them in, those those Gimsbuck, some people call them Oryx. They, they, uh, they brought them in in Africa in the 50s out into New Mexico in the White Missile Range. And then they just exploded because their climate's real similar to Africa. And they've just spread all through Texas and then all kinds of axis deer, all kinds of exotics down there with the floods knocking those high fences down. They're free range out there. A lot of game, really pretty country too in the, in the hill country. But, and there's some big deer, very different size wise. Uh, when I first got to the Midwest, it was hard for me to field judge a deer because in Texas, you know, that's a Texas deer behind me. It's not even a big deer, but it looks big because it's all rack and no body. Um, but you go to the Midwest and, and I'm sure I passed deer when I first started that were really good deer, mature big deer that didn't even look big because it's a 300 pound deer with a rack that just doesn't look as extreme, but, uh, just a learning curve. That's hunting. is just so fun to me because you learn something every time you go, you can be the best hunter in the world and you're going to learn something. You're going to screw something up. And, uh, that's the that's, that's the part that makes it a, like addicting to to me, because your knowledge compounds. So year over mm-hmm. year, you think, oh, this is the year because I learned ten new things last year, and you get out there and you're at this new caliber, this new level, and suddenly you're you're at a different. Your act the level has gotten harder too. Like the the further up you go, the more you learn, but the harder it seems to kind of get. So you're like, man, I, you're you're playing chess, and the 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 mental game of trying to figure that out and make these strategic moves. Like mm-hmm. in theory, yeah. this should work, but you get your boots on the ground and it's totally different. You know, it's like you see the world through an airplane. It looks, Oh, that's no big deal. But then you get down into it and it's like, how do you move through this stuff? Um, right. and get close to them without giving it away. And so you got to like play the wind and all of these things. That's the hook for me. That's, like that's the, the hook for sure. It's ridiculous. And I'm well, and too, like setting up a new property that I'm doing this year. I'm going to spend so much time putting forage soybeans in a certain area and doing clover and turnips and, and corn and all kinds of working on getting CRP established, but I will have it so wrong after this year. And I'll be watching deer from 150 yards just thinking, why did I put the stand there? (laughs) But it's just the learning process. You got to start someplace. Yeah. Well, and exactly. And when you implement a food source on a piece of property that's never had it, it's going to change the whole dynamic of how they use it. The trail systems are going to change the bedding, you know, how they move throughout the property. Yeah. Greg, I'm disappointed. No drop time. What are you doing? Nursing a beer over there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't nurse it. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to drink out of the bottle or what? I don't <laughs> think that would taste good, but here. Dave would be proud. Oh, boy. Dave would be, he said he's going to tune in. I don't know if he's in or not. I, I don't know who's watching. I know people are watching, but um, until he comments, I won't know it's him. So, yeah, by the way, like, um, are you – are you in a position to talk a little bit about some of the stuff you do for field ethos? Because yeah, absolutely. That's such so, an exciting thing. So that's a fun thing to talk about. Very exciting. So when I, when I was playing ball, I was really looking for a way to get into the outdoor industry and Jason Vincent, the founder of field ethos along with uh, Donald Trump jr. I, I met him through one of the guys that worked for the Panthers. I was looking to build a custom rifle and he hooked me up with Jason, and Jason is just an incredible uh, source of knowledge, especially the whole outdoors, but especially on the shooting side of things. If it's a gun, he knows it and knows a lot about it. And so I ended up using uh, long rifles and built a uh, seven ROM with Jason. And then from there, our friendship took us to Africa. 
um, went there with Luke Keekley and my parents and uh, his family and great family trip with Jason over there. Really enjoyed that. And then I still kept playing ball, stayed in touch with Jason and really looking for a way to get involved in, in uh, what it would look like to be in the outdoor industry for a career post football. And Field Ethos just really offered that opportunity for me because there's so much of the same content on out there. And I really wanted to find a way to be able to voice a real perspective and how I really see what matters to me and that unfiltered approach that tells, tells the, tells the audience, you know, how we really do it and we live by it. It's not where we're just promoting a bunch of products we don't use or, I mean, anything we promote, we're using. And, and it's just allowing the audience to be the storyteller as well. It's just the, the concept's great. And, uh, you know, bringing, bringing Dave on really gave us direction too, because of his vast knowledge, um, in the industry. And, and it's just, it's really, I'm so excited to see where it goes. You know, we're, we're, we've got a lot, a lot of stuff, uh, in the works right now. And, uh, I can't wait to unveil some of the stuff, but it's, it's really going to be, be, uh, be fun to be a part of a fun team. And I think it's going to be about as close as I can get to an NFL locker room guys that I really have a lot in common with and really just enjoy just hanging out. Um, great family guys, because I really value my family as well. And, uh, just really being able to get in the outdoors and, and showcase what we love about them. Yeah. You're, you're good thing too. There's, we have a lot of different interests within the outdoors. You know, I'm a huge whitetail guy and that's a lot of America, you know, and, and Jason's really big in Africa and long range shooting and guns in general. And, um, Don on the, on the adventure side and, and some of the incredible hunts he's been on, and when I first met Don, he just blew me away with his knowledge, his woodsmanship, and his his ability to to hunt. I mean, he's a and fish. He's a great outdoorsman. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of high profile people just get thrown out there because who they are. And he really lives it. And he and he's just a, that's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, where do you think that if you if you can, where do you think that came from for him uh, growing up the way he, that he did? Did he get into that as a child along the way, or was that more of like an adult onset kind of thing that he sought after? Or yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I haven't haven't gotten that deep into discussion with him, but I I do think he he got introduced at a fairly young age and really took a liking to the outdoors. It's an interesting thing. I'm uh, you know you pay attention to different things in life and. Uh, oddly enough, I'm reading a, a book about stillness, uh, you know, and it talks about, you know, cleansing yourself in nature, so mm-hmm. to speak, that, you know, if we cleanse ourselves as much as we took a shower, if we just spent an hour or two a day in the woods, we'd all probably be a lot happier. It's very therapeutic. It's a great place to spend time outdoors. I think I'm a lot happier during whitetail season, not only because I'm pursuing deer and I love that, right, that right. side of it. The time of year is great. There's a lot of benefit there, football season, right? Uh, mm-hmm. For those of us that are viewers, <laughs> nowhere near in the kind of shape you're in. But that additionally, you're actually spending time in nature and you're being right. still. You're sitting there waiting and, and letting the world stop passing you by for a second. You're actually consuming it. Um, I mean, that's that's an extremely valuable point. And I witnessed this, this last weekend with my wife. She's not a huge outdoors woman, but she loves just being out the outside and... And we, uh, 
we went and looked at, there's just something for everybody being out there. You know, we found a bunch of fossils in the Creek and just being outside, just, it's so peaceful. And we made the comment, I mean, how good for you is this right now? Just hanging out. I mean, I didn't even have my phone for three days, getting away from it a little bit and really just relaxing. I don't know how recharged with my four-year-old and one-year-old I got, but sleeping in the same room, but, but, uh, yeah, just, man, it's, it's so valuable. And I, I really think that COVID has changed that, that a little bit for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people just in Charlotte here, people outside walking and just getting outside. And I really hope that, hope that culturally we're able to, to grasp this and, and continue down that path as, as we get through this whole pandemic. Yeah, COVID definitely brought more awareness to the outdoors. I mean, you go down any big box store through their sporting goods section, mm-hmm. and the fishing section's cleaned out. Yeah. And I've got a buddy that owns a bait shop here locally, and he does really well. Um, he had some struggles keeping some gear in, but he was able to get back in the game and, and keep the right amount of stuff on the shelf to keep customers happy. But it's funny, yeah. there's a big well-known chain big box store right down the road from him they didn't have squat on the shelf but he had had stuff and he's competitively priced with them so it was great to see a small business do well through this but even our lakes too like i've never seen the lake down the street from my house so full of people ever this summer it was ridiculous everything was up i mean the the, the amount of hikers yeah it's the I mean, first time mm-hmm. the hunting season or hunting industry has seen growth yeah in I found decade. more trash in the woods than I normally find just from people walking yeah. and leaving junk lay. Yes, that's good luck getting ammo. Yeah, that's another problem. I don't, I don't target practice because of that. Grab the bow and just don't miss. Uh, yep. Well, that's just it. I've got twenty yards in my basement, so I'm shooting all the time in my basement. Yeah, just I, hey, just there's a real up. value to shooting close. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. Well, I just set up a target or a range in my basement because we're doing – so we're building a new studio in our basement um, mainly because I'm getting this place with – we're expecting our third child. So i got, like you, a, a three-and-a-half-year-old, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and our third's on the way. So this room is going to be a baby room in, you know, a couple of months. Nice. <laughs> so we're framing that out now. But as a result of cleaning everything, I now have some shooting space in the basement, which here in Wisconsin, with it being so damn cold in the winter, it's really nice to have. Not to mention, I think my neighbors look at me funny anyway, so that'll make my wife feel a little less embarrassed about whatever we're doing. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had a, my neighbors had a, they had a Biden sign in their yard, but they still returned some arrows I slung into their yard. So that was, <laughs> they're probably getting they're afraid. Yeah. Hey, do you want these back? Don't shoot us. That's why they didn't keep them. <laughs> no, they were, they were very understanding of my passion. That's good. Yeah, I, I would last year. I was, after I missed the, I missed a buck last year. So after that, I thought it was because I had misranged it and I didn't. So then I was like, what the hell happened here? Is a probably a bend at the hip kind of problem. So I hung a stand in my backyard and started shooting. And my wife's like, I can't believe you're doing this in our backyard. I'm like, yeah, whatever. This is Wisconsin. It's tradition here. Everyone knows a hunter, some someone in the family hunts something. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you're not if you're not missing, you're not hunting. Yeah. I've had, that's a good uh, point. I've had a few few mishaps myself. I remember in uh in Texas two years ago, I was on a late season hunt and I had a a nice nice 10 point and it was about 38 yards hard quarter away and man i thought i made a good shot and i arrow just went right through and uh i hit him real low 
And uh, that's the worst, man. Just it just makes you think, man, what did I do wrong? But at the same time, you learn from it and just really be a little more patient with the with the angle of the deer and and just make sure you're really dialed in with with uh, yardages. When I, I made the move to a, I've got an XL and it's a three pin fixed, but it's the whole um, housing will slide down on a tape, and so. I I did that because man in Illinois it's it is hard to just get something to stop and just it was an exception this this year the biggest deer I've ever killed in my life literally just it was thirty five yards and it just was perfectly broadside and just was eating clover and it just was just stop I mean real simple had plenty of time got your heart rate settled but typically that's not like like that in Illinois so that's why I went with that three pin fixed so i can if i have to shoot quick got it 20 30 40 but then my top pin i can slide from anywhere from 20 all the way to as far as i want to shoot it and uh, i really like that setup i've been a five pin fixed fan um that's what i was hunting with in texas and it's almost just low light it's got a lot going on in that side picture there is there's way too much going in because i had one too i had a spot hog five pin fixed and Mm -hmm. i loved it because it had a really big scope on it Mm -hmm. you know but you have a lot going on. It blocks some of your sight window, and especially during low light, if yeah. there's just enough light, or if you have have the you know the light for it, you light it up, and there's all sorts of cool stuff going on in there. So yeah, I went to a two pin slider, and that was decent. But I went away from that and went to a, back to a single pin slider from HHA, which I really like. Scope seems to be just the right size for me. Again, this is one of those things where you might like a, a Chevy truck or a Ford truck, and I like yeah. something different. But if it works for you, you're going to shoot Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. The, what yeah. about peep size? Uh, I'd be wrong if I told you what size I'm working with there. but The one I went to is smaller than the one I had previously. And yeah, that, you had a pretty big one. For, that tripped me up for a minute. I was like, you had to really be a lot more... It, so like I'm I'm bad with like first person shooter games for this reason too like I don't know how these guys just land and pull the trigger and get headshots right away I gotta like it's gotta be perfect for me to be settled and then go so that smaller peep set I was like struggling with compared to what I had previously but now that I'm used to it, it you just have mm-hmm. to acclimate a little bit so I'm shooting the HHA te- Tetra uh, with that tape where you spin it so right, when I yeah. had a three pin sight I am such an idiot that I'm like oh my god I can't remember which one's the <laughs> what's the right range so then i would panic and then i wouldn't shoot because like i don't know what range i'm at so that i i had to stop doing that and now i just i now i have a range finder i range everything and i set my pin at where i expect the deer to be within a certain range so i kind of know what i'm doing and i obsessively do that for about 10 minutes when i get in the tree now and lock it into memory i'm like this is 15 this is 20 this is 15 this is 30 yeah you know yeah i love doing that getting a game plan and and even looking you know when i get in a tree I always put my bow, you know, where I think I'm going to see the deer. So I'm not reaching, you know, I'm not reaching across the tree or, you know, if I think he's going to come out here, it's just a simple lift and shoot. Or if I think he's going to come out there, it might be shoulder turn, lift and shoot. And just little things you learn by busting deer, you know, that first year I shot in South Carolina, um, it was a, I mean, 120 inch, um, buck which is big in south carolina they just don't get big and i had such a learning experience there because i had two does come in right behind me and they knew something wasn't right 
They smelled something. They didn't bust me, but I could just feel them watching me. And I couldn't do anything. And this buck's just right, you know, 15, 20 yards away, perfect. And I just couldn't do anything. I had to sit there. And finally, I could just feel them moving. And I was able to just, out of the corner of my eye, see them move on and, and get it get it done. But for every one of those, there's the learning experience is something you never even see. You know, probably busting deer. And, you know, people always make the comment um, with new technology, well, you know, I, I, I was able to do it. 20 years ago, why do I need the new thing? But I would argue that it's not what you shot. It's what you didn't even see, you know, with, with some of the camo and some of the scent protection and some of the, um, I really think the Ozonics works, but still, if you're, if you're not playing wind, you're in trouble, but you know, just some of the new technology. And, and I really think that, yeah, you were always able to kill deer, but really, what did you, what could you have killed back then that you didn't, that, you know, that made it under the radar because you, because it, you never it saw you before you even uh, put eyes on him. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's logical. And you're right about playing the wind. I know um, there's some folks that would argue that scent control is everything. Um, and they've got track records to show that that, that is good for them, but I'm not that good. And, and I think when I learned more about understanding wind in a relation to where uh, deer are betting, once you start to think through some of that and you get those guesses right or those educated guesses right based on intel that you're collecting during the off season, um, it'll change things for you if you, if you haven't gotten to that point yet. I know we yeah, have a wide spectrum gotta, of audience. you got to weigh the get, risk too a little bit. That's true. You always got a risk. You know, I mean, it might work out, but is it really, you know, with some of this technology, I mean, you might slip under the radar, it might work. But at the same time, if you're hunting a bad wind, you're going you're going to offer some sort of knowledge to some deer, and and you just hope it's not the deer you're after. <laughs> and so I'm just if it's if it's a marginal wind and you can be patient, I really think that strategy is going to pay off in the long run. Yep. Yeah. And then you know, morning hunt versus evening hunt. Do you know the land or not? So public, yeah. I don't think do we do any morning hunts with Bo. Um. No. Rut is the only time I do. I mean, we don't, most of the time, it's just because you're bumping deer you don't even know about. Right. You know, especially up in the Midwest with snow on the ground, <laughs> getting in there loud. Snow or a dry fall like we had, all the leaf litter that yep. you walk across. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like walking on cornflakes. You'll never get in there quietly. Well, in the morning, they're coming from feeding to bedding. and then the Or they're already from, in there. Right. So you just don't, in the evening, there's, there's a better chance that you know that they're coming from bedding to food, so you can strategize a little bit differently based on wind and all. So, God, I, I think well, I called Greg. <laughs> we were talking like several times a day. Weather, dude, the wind just shifted. We're going to have a shift this tomorrow at this time. we got to be out there. This is the spot to hunt. Da, 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 da. We were like, I've, I've yet to have had a hunting buddy as close as Greg up until this past season. I think I probably started to drive you a little crazy. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> my wife's awful. like, who are you talking to, Greg? I'm like, yeah, who the hell am I going to be talking to? <laughs> do, do you see the weather report? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> We gotta. We, we're going hunting in two months. We gotta get it planned out. That's now. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good stuff. Bucket list hunt. Oh gosh. Well, we were gonna do one this year, but a uh, new baby disrupted that. I, uh, as we talked about last podcast. First of all, everyone that knows me knows I can't do math at all. Looks like I'm passing a kidney stone, but it proved to be true because of the timing of the pregnancy. So. Can't do math. <laughs> Doesn't know what time a baby could be coming. <laughs> 
maybe maybe there was alcohol involved there. We don't, don't know. know. I don't know. It's usually but the same time every year. Our kids are all September. Babies. You got to bring in the New Year, right? Yeah, that's Christmas, whatever. Something's happening. Yeah, that's not too kind for elk season. No, no, no. not at all. So, so at least this year we're not going to do it because you know I can't. I just can't justify you know a new baby that's going to be born at the beginning of September with two other little ones. That's an exciting time in life. I got to be here for that. I'm not going to oh, go for sure. gallivant around, but but. That is the intention, at least you know. That for me, I think the the scenery is probably just as important as the animal. So, I, I everything I've heard about elk. So before you jump down, we started talking about turkey hunting. It's super interactive. I can't speak from experience. I can only speak through what Greg has to say about it and everyone else. But you know, you then you tack on the whitetail side of things. They're less interactive, but they're they're a big game. And it seems like elk are the perfect combination of this interactive big game that you can hunt in mm-hmm. pristine country and that's it for me like that's what i want to do i haven't i haven't done it yet and we're gonna do a diy uh might be the two of us might be up to four of us depending who we can get to go on a crazy adventure with this but it's all about the adventure for me that's what i'm after and i don't know greg i think mule deer elk that's yeah i've always wanted to take a mule deer but for this year rather than going elk hunting i allocated funds to go to illinois and hunt public land whitetails so that's what i'm gonna do Nice. What what part are you going to? Uh, it'll be the northern part. Nice. Yeah. You don't want to tell us what county, huh? No, no, I'm not not sharing that info. Not not publicly anyway. You're gonna drive the Subaru there and put a bunch of hiking stickers on the back. Yep. That's exactly what I'm gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> now I we, me and a, a buddy and a couple of his friends, his dad went down uh, last weekend. In fact, was it last weekend? No, it was a weekend before, before, right after I got back from Florida. Um, but. We went down there, and I put on eight miles in, in uh, I don't know, not quite a full day, but in the rain and did some scouting, found a deadhead, found a few sheds, found a lot of good sign, and we kind of have a good idea where most of the hunter sign is and where it's coming from and going to, and we got part of a game plan. Uh, but at the end of the day, when we all mobile hunt, we could find something else. It could be shiny thing syndrome. We might find a, a huge rub line that opened up because, you know, the crops have rotated and things are different yeah. this year. And you're going to find that with your property too, that mm-hmm. movement will be kind of the same, but it'll vary a little bit every time you rotate those crops. So mm-hmm. looking forward to it. It's, it's more hilly country, um, river bottom stuff. It, it'll be, it'll be a fun hunt. I'm looking forward to it. And it's bow only, so. That's awesome. That'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about you? I mean, you've done an elk hunt, it sounds like. You've, you've I've done one elk hunt. It never worked with football, but I've done one. I've, put a, I've got a ton of uh, just building preference points all over. Cool. Really trying to uh, to get drawn for something. Any, and honestly, though, man, I am obsessed with deer. I love it. And I, I'm just with my two boys. I just cannot wait to to really teach them and get out in the woods with them. And I, that would be hands down. Even my dad too. My dad, he, he always enabled me to do whatever I wanted to do. Never was a big hunter, but always took me wherever I wanted to go. And he, he hunted a little bit, but he's, he, he's finally, he's the type of guy that whatever he does, he gets really good. He started shooting a bow a year ago and he's already won a 3d tournament. Sweet. And it's just like, he just gets, he gets really good. And, um, so he's, he's getting the itch a little bit. He, 
he uh, shot an eight point on his first ever bow hunt on his property in Texas. Uh, so he's a little spoiled, but I'm going to get him up in, uh, in Illinois. And I told him I was going to put him in Papa's gar hole at the front of the property and let him do some doe maintenance Perfect. and not blow off any good deer. But <laughs> And that's a good thing <laughs> nah, to do, you know, especially if you don't have a lot of experience shooting deer, mm-hmm. go in and shoot does. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. The, the meat's excellent. And you're going to learn a lot just from shooting does, how, how they yeah. move, how they spook everything and right and, it's, and some of those old does will blow you smart. better than anything uh-huh. my buddy uh, i've quoted him several times on the show my buddy jared down in arkansas says you know whatever gets your piss hot shoot that and yeah. you know, an old doe will get your piss pretty hot you know you, you, get, mm-hmm. you get that heart pumping it doesn't matter for me at least i don't a deer is a deer is a deer horns or not i think i'm just as jacked every time at least the first kind of um you know the first glimpse of a deer i'm like oh they exist, and I get all jacked up and weird, and, and then it takes me a second to get past you my are nerves. Weird. But, <laughs> you know, I see a big no, one, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. That first first haunt of the, a new season, it's just unbelievable. It gets you. It's exciting. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I would love to mule deer hunt, too. I've never I've never done that. Uh, but I think that'd be fun. My, my in-laws are from way, way west Texas, and he grew up hunting New Mexico. And that's how I joke with my wife. That's how I knew I wanted to marry her when I walked in their house and just saw a big spread of mule deer and elk all over the walls. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that would that would be ideal. And I think just learning too, like you said, it being really similar to turkey hunting, but mixing in deer. And they're such a big animal, and it's just we we uh, it was a little slow for our hunt. I passed a decent bull on the first day. But it's I, I'd love to love to do a little more of the Western stuff as well, and I think uh, I just I think it'd be extremely challenging in a completely different way. And I I really have Don and and some of the other other guys I've met through Field Ethos um, that do a ton of Alan Bolin, um, do a ton of the bow hunting stuff in in extreme conditions in the in the Western style. It's completely different. And I really respect the difficulty because you really have to go after and stalk. And it's just the opposite of deer hunting. To me, you have to outsmart a deer and you're really dealt a hand and you have to manage a bunch of different um, factors that are really out of your control. But you, and you just have to be patient. But with some of the other stuff, it's really about how can we outsmart the outsmart and game plan and glass from afar. Glass is a lot of fun, too. Uh, just really, really fine tuning those skills, and it's just completely different. So very exciting to do that that style of hunting as well. Yeah, I like the at least in my mind's eye, I love the physical challenge along with the mm-hmm. mental of it, bringing both those together. Whitetail hunting, there's some physical, but not like climbing a mountain and, and packing an animal that size out or anything like that. And I, I just like pushing yourself to limits. That's that's to mm-hmm. me what becomes indelible. Those are the things you you never forget ever. Yeah. And they suck shit when you're doing it. You're like, what did I get myself into? I want mm-hmm. all of those situations where I'm suffering greatly because I know that on the backside of it is a memory I'll never forget. So, um, you know, what I didn't do is I didn't plant the seed with you. Uh, I, I like to ask everybody what their most memorable hunt is. If you have one that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear it. My most memorable hunt was this past year. I've, I shot... Um, uh, my first Boone and Crockett with a bow. Um, 
And it was honestly because I've really hunted so hard and so long. And so I would, I would argue with you a little bit about whitetail because I think when you're really going after a world-class animal, it really changes the difficulty and the dynamic of a whitetail hunt. So yeah, if you're just hunting, you know, any deer, I think it's, it's, you know, fairly simple to get it done. But when you're hunting an animal like that, that's so smart and there's just, they're so rare and so few and far between, it really takes a game plan. And that's really what I love about it, I think. And that's what it finally came to fruition. I mean, I'd made bad shots and it was a, a long process. I'd been hunting for six or seven years in Illinois without, without, um, you know, with the goal of being getting a Boone and Crockett and, and it finally came together this last year. But my most memorable outdoor experience would be a fishing trip in Arkansas. Uh, my grandpa, my dad and myself. And I still remember that because it was just, I was really close to my grandpa growing up. My dad was gone quite a bit. And so just being able to have that memory with all three of them, um, was just really, really special. And I really want to, want to get my dad, you know, really involved in the hunting so he can enjoy his grandsons and, uh, and make some of those memories or have my boys make some of those memories like I was able to make with my grandpa. That's special. That's the kind of stuff, man. That's that, that, like you said in the beginning about, you know, the vision behind field ethos and living the life and, and kind of being, Mm -hmm. having it be kind of more intrinsic. Uh, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big part of it. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think we're, we're similar in, in that regard to some degree for sure. That's cool. What is it? Do you have any, are there any other um, guys when you played ball that, that hunt too? Did you ever find any camaraderie um, tangentially to football? So I, I really did not for the first part of my career at all. Um, here and there guys liked it, but I mean, I love it. And so any spare time, especially before kids, I mean, I've devoted a lot of time to doing anything I could in the outdoors. And I finally got uh, Luke Keekley um, involved in it and he took a big liking and now he's, he's obsessed with, with it nearly as much as I am. And so he, uh, he, he's one um, who, who else? There's a few, there's a few other guys here and there. Marcus Cannon uh, played right tackle for the Patriots for a long time, won three Super Bowls. He was in my wedding and he, um, he just got traded to the Texans. He's a huge outdoorsman, not not so much with the bow, but he loves to loves to hunt anything. I lived with him in college, and and when I first moved into the house, I went outside in the backyard, and there's a big pecan tree, and there's like sixty little orange dots up in the tree. And I'm like, what is that? And he had a blowgun and had shot a squirrel, and it was in the oven. <laughs> oh man that's you gotta that's remember I, was, I, grew, I grew up in texas we're a little different out there yeah texas oh, seems like a fun I, I gotta tell you wisconsinites aren't much different so yeah i got stories of buddies shooting you know an arrow up in the sky and trying to dodge the arrow like what the f- are you doing guys arrow roulette everybody's experimenting everybody like that's voice. what happens here yeah really <laughs> I would recommend a very sharp broadhead. Yeah. <laughs> At least you get a pass through that way. Jesus. Yeah, I've heard of buddies doing that kind of stuff. And, and the cow tipping thing, I, I know a few folks no. that have done it. I've never done it, but I know folks that have. And we really do eat a ton of cheese up here. That's that's very real. That's not uh, a myth or a rumor. Like, my father-in-law actually makes his own cheese, 
now. And so he wow. started making his own cheese curds. And if you know anything about Wisconsin, the cheese curds that are fresh make your teeth, it squeaks when you chew it. Uh, so I have those on like demand now, which is a problem for my weight. I, I'm like consuming gratuitous amounts of cheese right now. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I, I really enjoyed playing. I played at Lambeau twice. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's a very awesome play. My wife actually came to that game. Um, it's very traditional. Just, it it meant a lot for me to get to play there. Very cool stadium. The grass is so thick. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a it's very just, iconic and neat place. It's it's very a lot cool. of history. It has a very cool feel. A lot of yeah. history, a lot of like The only time I was there, I was, honestly, then I was under, I ended up getting too drunk to actually remember most of it. I remember getting back to work like the following Monday or whatever, and they're like, weren't you cold? It was, when did you get like all wet? I was like, what? Like it rained. I was like, oh, I must have been. Then I don't know. I couldn't tell you. You know, we just we went pretty hard. Did with you shave things. it or paint it? <laughs> <laughs> Neither. I don't know what. I, I don't know. It was, but it was cool. They're so, so crowded that you're huddled pretty close together, which sounds like cringeworthy nowadays with everything that's been going on. But you know, we were. It was a really fun experience from what I remember. What I remember. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of soul there. That's true. You know, we did. You uh, speaking of crowds, we had a auctioned off a uh, a hunt with Don Jr. and myself and uh, Luke and a couple other guys, the whole team in South Texas. We It was so fun to actually get to attend an event with people. And we went down to South Carolina, and it was a veterans uh, fundraiser. And just to go down there, and the governor spoke, and just really get back and have a feel of normalcy for just a, a little bit. It's Man, it's been a long, long journey. It has. Yeah. I think we're hopefully turning a corner here. But you know, speaking of veteran hunts, um, you know, our, our buddy Bill over at Spartan Forge, he's the they sponsor the the live call and then the live video stuff. And in off season, we're not getting a lot of that activity here on our, our show. But um, he's putting a pretty big veteran hunt together for November of this year. It might be worth an introduction because he's got he's got some big things going on over there. Um, Nice. Very fun. Yeah. If you, if you're open, if you guys are open to an intro, I can set that up, but yeah, man, I loved, we, uh, we did a lot of stuff with, uh, with military, uh, because my coach with the Panthers for so long, Ron Rivera was so active with being a military family. And so I really, really love, love doing for those guys because they do so much for us, man. It's just incredible. The sacrifice they make for their self, their family, and just, just so we can, we can do what we love is just incredible. Certainly is. Yeah, it's a big deal. Well, we appreciate you taking time to, to be on the show with us tonight. Sorry yeah, for the yeah, timing snafu, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll end the live stream here. You know, before I do, though, um, why don't you tell folks where they can find Field Ethos and how to engage with that brand um, so people know where to get that content? Because you, your guys' podcast currently, I know you see you have some big things coming, but as it stands, it's a really polished podcast, and, and you've said it well when you said that like there's people from different camps of the hunting space in the outdoor space it really rounds it out and, and broadens the horizon you know we're a whitetail shop over here by and large and we're maybe trying to broach what you know elk and stuff but um we stay in our lane pretty pretty tightly with some of that stuff you're you're a little bit more broader so there's a lot more types of content to consume i think it's great yeah you know our our, our goal is to bring different people in throughout throughout different verticals in the industry to really highlight what people love and you know, whether it's, whether it's Don um, and Dave with the, with the spear fishing and the adventure side of things or, 
the big game stuff or bird hunting, ducks, turkey, the heartland, you know, just bow hunting with Alan all over the world. Alan's Alan Bolin has shot more. Um, he joined our team a couple of months ago and he's, he's harvested more animals, Boone and Crockett than anybody in the world. And it's not even close. And he, he's an incredible, incredible, uh, follow on Instagram. Um, but he, he's just, he's, he's got a, a lot. He's helped us a lot on the archery side of things. And then myself with the whitetail side of things and just the outdoors in general. Um, I've been working a little bit on a, a land improvement project done a little bit differently than, than you've seen. So that'll be coming down the pipe, but, um, yeah, really just being able to cater to a lot of people and then offering them the ability to, to have a voice as well. Um, and really branch out into and in, in doing it in a way that's not really afraid of of what people are gonna gonna think or say because we're really trying to be their voice and being working with some of the big brands that we're already working with, um, it's a really a breath of fresh air and their their execs really enjoy what we're doing because they're saying or we're saying some of the stuff maybe that they can't and they want to and. Um, as we really start, jumpstart this content, I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun to be a part of and just to see because the video side of stuff and uh, joining our email list is pretty fun read. Short reads, you know, people don't have an hour to spend reading an article. You know, three to five minutes, boom, get it in your inbox and and uh, check it out. And it's not just slam full of ads. It's just really trying to trying to get somebody what they want to see in a, in a very, um, visually appealing fashion. That's awesome. No, like I said, it's, it, the polish is there. The, the content is there. It's, it's good. I think, uh, I don't know, between the two of us, we consumed quite a few of the podcast the last couple of days in preparation to just make sure we understood the, you know, the ethos, right? Yeah, man. And with Don really taking that and running with that, he's, he's going to be at the forefront of our, our podcast. I think it's only going to, going to grow from there. You know, we did, we've, we've started small and it's, it's really, we're about to jump start it with, with more production and really getting a library of, of stuff that's fun to listen to. That's cool. Well, thanks again uh, for being here yeah. tonight. Uh, I'm going to end the live broadcast. We'll hang out with you for just a minute and debrief. And um, as everyone knows, we produce the same night that, that we record. So this will be live in podcast land later this evening. Awesome. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you. Absolutely. What's up, everyone? Anthony Heller here with Deervane, and this week's tip of the week revolves around time management and getting outdoors. Everybody says it. I'm sure we, you've said it yourself. I know I've said it myself. Is is I don't have time for that. I I try to hunt more, but I just don't have time. I try to fish more. I just don't have time. I try to learn more and scout more. I just don't have time. And one way that that I've really started to overcome that and start prioritizing things in life. And, and understanding where I'm putting my time is that when I say that to myself or when I hear someone else say that, what they're really saying or what you're really saying is, I haven't prioritized that enough. So you're, saying, you're not saying I don't have time for hunting because everyone has time. There's 24 hours a day. It's something we're, we're just given by the fact that we're alive. Everybody has time. It's what you do with that time. 
So when you say, I don't have time for that, it means that you're prioritizing other things in your life than hunting, which is totally cool. That's totally fine. But at the same time, you know, you take a look back at your day and go, okay, there are 24 hours and I don't have time to hunt. Um, but really, I did have time to watch Netflix for an hour. I did have time to just scroll through Instagram for 30 minutes. I did have time to read this forum on Facebook. And now all of a sudden you're starting to realize that like if you take a look at the mirror and look at yourself and your own time management, you're essentially prioritizing those those other you know, uh, spare time things, spare time, like entertainment pieces over your hunting or over fishing or over scouting or whatever. So I, I, I know, and, and that's a small case example, but I know you, you can do it on a much larger scale and start planning out your days, start planning out your weeks, start thinking a week in advance. If you really want to get out and hunt more, if you really want to get out and fish more, there are ways to do it. And, and, one thing that has just really helped me is that when I look back, I say, am I prioritizing this where it should be? You know, I say that to myself when I say, I don't have time. It's I'm not prioritizing this enough to make it worthwhile. And sometimes I, I do. I prioritize my family over it and I'm OK with that. And I prioritize work over it. And I'm OK with that because those are necessities in my life and things that I value more than hunting or fishing. But I certainly don't value watching Netflix for an hour, watching a movie for two hours, two and a half hours, three hours more than hunting. And if I do that and look back at that, I feel guilty myself. And then it helps me to improve myself the next day or the next week or the next month. All right. Food for thought, guys. Hope it helps. That is a fantastic tip for the tip of the week, Anthony. I appreciate you saying that uh, the prioritization of things and how you kind of benchmark that in your own life. Um, you know, I really can probably piggyback on that and go on a whole nother rant, but I'm a big believer in the philosophy of if you're going to complain, either accept the position that you're in, find something you like about it or change it. And it's that simple when you distill it. So if you are complaining that you didn't get this buck or a chance at it or whatever it is you're trying to accomplish based on your goals, do something about it. Or just, you know, maybe make peace with that's kind of where you're at. And that's that's okay. Once you make peace with things, you're you're gonna find a lot more fulfillment and happiness, or you change it and then you're striving to do that thing and um just there's no room for complaining. That's uh complaining excuses I think should be jettisoned. Uh that's a whole topic that can be, you know, applied to things other than hunting too, obviously. Uh speaking of time management, I have a lot of stuff going on over here and uh, you know greg's help with co-hosting the show is incredible so you know if you see greg on social go ahead and give him an attaboy uh he's helped out immensely around here and it's just been fantastic to have him on our team uh some upcoming announcements of uh, guests and things like that so next week tuesday the 27th we're talking to land trust uh the week after that which would be the 4th of may may the 4th be with you we're talking to Chris Whitley about turkey hunting. And then after that, we're going to uh, reconvene with Bill with Spartan Forge. We had him on a while back. And obviously, you guys know he's a sponsor of the podcast. They help partner here with um, some of our tech. So it'll be good to hear some of the things he has going on over there with his crew. And we're going to re-chat with uh, Alex Armando, hear about some hunting stories he's had over the last season and some recipes he's cooking up. 
And then we're going to wrap up the month with SmackDown Outdoors. We're going to do a double header. So uh, Greg and I are going to guest on his podcast from 6 p.m. Central to 7 p.m. And then from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., he's going to jump on our podcast. So we bro- we both broadcast live. So it's going to be a really fun kind of uh, collaboration. So that's what's coming up uh, for us on the podcast. And uh, throwing around an idea of doing uh, where to hunt trash. So where to hunt is trash or something like that. If you got any clever names, if you're listening to this, let me know. But I think we're going to try to do a public land cleanup and, and do something around like we're trashy or something like that. Something goofy so we can give back uh, to conservation and get some get some good time outdoors with family. It's a family thing that I can do with the kids and my wife and uh, still have a good reason to get out there. So anyway, that's what we got for you this week. Hope you have a, a great day and a great week and hunt public.